This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Coming to you from sunny Florida, my name is Chris. And well, from Toronto, but not so sunny, uh, my name is Jason. And uh, this is The Talking Dead number 70 for Monday, February 27, 2012. Jason, welcome to the program, well, and uh, happy birthday this week. Oh, thank you. I had a birthday yesterday. It was uh, it was all fun and games. Was it really? Did you play board games all evening? Uh, no, we, we, did, we worked on a puzzle for a little while, and I put together a Lego ship. Uh-huh. And then uh, we watched the Oscars. That does sound like an exciting birthday. Yeah, it was I watched very good. I watched the Oscars too. Um, speaking of Lego, I have been in two or maybe three Lego stores while I've been in Florida. It's been it's been an exciting time for me. Different Lego stores? Uh, yes, different Lego wow, stores. Wow, that is fancy. <laughs> They're all over the place down here. It's you'd you'd love it. Uh, I'm sure I would. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that's good. I also wanted to say happy National Secondhand Wardrobe Week. Really? Yes. <laughs> I I looked it up. <laughs> Why? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I was on a website, and I happened to be looking at holidays and celebrations going on currently, and I found out that it was Secondhand Wardrobe Week. So, I, uh, I don't know if I, I own currently any secondhand mm-hmm. wardrobe items. No, you're not a shopper of uh, the Goodwill or anything like that. No, not not in the recent past. I may have some uh, some items in the closet that I don't wear, but uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that I currently own anything that I wear that is uh, that is secondhand, and, and it makes me sad a little bit. Well, you know, you should uh, you should go and pick something up and celebrate Secondhand Wardrobe Week this. I this should, week. I should. I remember there was a place downtown Toronto that was uh, by the pound. You go in there and you buy uh, whatever clothing they have in bins, and they weigh it and charge you twenty five cents a pound. Ooh, that's a good deal. It is a good deal. They, they tore the building down, so I don't think they have that anymore. But uh, it was it was a good deal. I po- purchased many a thing there. You could get a lot of pairs of pants for twenty five cents a pound. I uh, think. Yeah, you really could. <laughs> All right, sounds good. <laughs> So we've got an interesting show this week. As uh, you just heard, I am in Florida. Jason's in Toronto. We're recording on Skype, and things are all different than usual. So fingers crossed that it goes well. I'm running the board, so uh, and I'm I'm managing the recording. So if anything goes wrong, apparently it's all my fault this week instead of being Chris's fault. Yeah, which normally it is. And last week when we had our problems, it was uh, not really anyone's fault because we didn't know we had problems until we were done. But this week... I'm just saying, fingers crossed, hopefully everything goes well. So I also hope everything goes well. We shall see. Uh, let's get started, though. We have some Walking Dead news. We've got our recap, of course, and uh, listener feedback and everything else we do normally. Um, but the first thing, the Walking Dead news. The Walking Dead news. Very nice. Hey, that worked. <laughs> it sure did. I know. It's amazing. <laughs> Um, just one item in the news this week, and of course that is what is on everybody's mind. There was a big casting announcement earlier in the week, confirmed by AMC, so this is not a rumor, um, and it never really was a rumor because nobody heard about it until it, was, it, till it came out in the media, and that is that David Morrissey, another British actor, has been cast as Philip Blake, also known as the Governor. That's awesome. Do you know David Morrissey, Jason, at uh, all? I do not. I mean, I've seen the other Bolin girl that he was in, uh-huh. uh, but uh, I don't remember him at all. 
I've gone through some pictures and, uh, you know, really I don't have any active memory of this guy. Yeah, neither do I. I know him from, um, I've only ever seen one thing he was in and that was the Doctor Who episode he did from a few years ago. Right. Which you might have seen. I don't know how much of the Doctor you, Who you've watched. But I watch it now and again. I mean, I looked at a picture with him and the Doctor and I'm like, oh, he was in Doctor Who, but I don't remember the episode. Yeah, no, I definitely saw it. I'm not caught up to date on the Doctor Who, but I definitely saw that. So, uh, but you know what? I wouldn't have known him by name um, just just from that appearance. And uh, so we'll we'll have to see. I might go and watch some of his other stuff if I can get my hands on it, or at least during the off season, we'll do a Walking Dead actor spotlight on this guy oh, and yeah. watch some of his older stuff. That'd be great. We we could watch the other Bolin Girl. We could watch Basic Instinct Two. Apparently. <laughs> oh yes, sir. <laughs> I've been meaning to watch that one. Yeah, for sure. So AMC officially announced this, and uh, in the press release, they gave a little bit more information on David Morrissey. They said he is a BAFTA Award nominee. Morrissey has appeared in many acclaimed British series, including State of Play, Meadowlands, The Deal Land, Blackpool. Along, um, along with his celebrated work in television, Morrissey's also known for his leading roles in feature films as The Reaping, The Other Bowling Girl, as you mentioned, Centurion, The Water Horse, Nowhere Boy, and Blitz. So he's been around a while. He's done a fair bit of acting, just nothing I've ever seen. Yeah. So um, what do you think of his look? I don't really think he has the look of the governor, even a little bit. Well, he's not a, a dead ringer for the governor, that's for sure. But I'm not entirely set on, you know, having the governor look like he did in the comic. I mean, uh, in, in casting the look was probably a mistake. Casting somebody who can play the part is probably a better idea. So I'm, I'm hoping that he's more of, uh, has an idea of what, uh, what the governor should be rather than, uh, you know, just looking like the guy. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, look is really the least important thing you want to go for, I guess, when casting someone in anything. The most important thing is their acting chops, I would say. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we will see. Um, David Morrissey going to play the governor in season three. That's what AMC has said. They're, we're not going to see him in season two. Of course, there's only three episodes left in season two, but he is going to show up in season three, which to me um, means that there's going to be even more departure in this TV show from the comic because it feels like season three at the rate they're going in the TV show would be a really early introduction for this character. It really kind of would. Uh, how yeah. many how many episodes are we getting in season three? Have they announced that yet? 16. 16. Oh, that seems kind of tight to, to bring in the governor uh, based on the timelines that they're setting here uh, compared with, uh, with the comic. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't want to compare it with the comic too much because clearly it's a whole different animal. And we've talked about that, you know, ad nauseum before, but, um, you know, if they were going to follow the comic, it seems, it seems like a really, really quick transition towards or quick, you know, path towards this character, but clearly they're not going to follow the comic book and we're going to get him in season three. So absolutely, no matter what, it will be interesting. That's good. I'm glad that they're, uh, you know, this, uh, not only have they announced casting for the governor, but they've announced that they're having the governor. And uh, we were, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, them, you know, not bringing the governor into the TV show at all. Yeah, Dave, a uh, pod- friend of the podcast, Dave, of course, has been saying for a while now that he thought there would not be a governor character in here, and any villain they do would be something new, something different. Uh, clearly, he had no idea what he was talking about. Or, you know, clearly, but uh, <laughs> you know, maybe it's the, the, they may not name him the governor. They may name him, uh, you know, the mayor or something. 
the uh, the, the councilman. Yes, the congressman. <laughs> the congressman. There you go. <laughs> the, the the most feared villain in all of uh, TV history, the congressman. The congressman. Yes. All right. The member so... of parliament. <laughs> right. <laughs> We will have to see. We will wait and find out uh, in season three, which starts later this year. Yeah. But of course, we first have to get through season two, and that means we have got uh, an episode to talk about tonight, which is called 18 Miles Out. And then we have three more episodes to finish season two before we go on hiatus. So there's lots to do before we get to season three and David Morrissey. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, why don't we talk about 18 Miles Out and do our recap? Sure. Alrighty, so we'll get right into it. We open with shots of what looks like an abandoned school. We find out what it is a little bit later, but for now we'll go with school. We, um, you know, very soon we see zombies breaking out of the windows. Shane and Rick are running away. Randall is tied up and crawling across the ground. Um, Shane runs into a school bus, and we go to credits. Right, quickly. So we have. Yeah, so we have another quick pre-credits opening bit here, and this one is you know, a little bit confusing because you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not set up. It's not a scene we are really expecting. It's just all of this mayhem happening and we go to credits and who knows what's going on here. Mm -hmm. uh, when we come back, things have settled down a little bit, except we are at a four-way intersection in the street. A car drives up, Rick and Shane get out, and Rick says that they uh, waited a week to do this. So for the first time, I think, we have kind of jumped in time a little bit uh, in an ep between episodes. Well, except, uh, you know, apart from the pilot. Because uh, the opening shot in the pilot uh, was Rick and the little girl, right, in the, uh, in the gas station. And then they uh -huh. jump back to, uh, you know, before that all happened when he was in the car. Oh, yeah, for sure. But what I mean is, like, this episode didn't pick up the second after the last week's episode ended. Right. Oh, I see so, what you mean. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the pre-credits was, was kind of a – was showing us what happens later in the episode, and now we're jumping back to, to fill in the gaps, of course. Right. But, yeah, what I mean is we've – some time has passed, and, you know, uh, Randall has had time to heal, and they've decided to go and dump him 18 miles out. Right. So now they're standing at a crossroads, figuratively and literally. Yes, and what somebody on our, I, I think our Facebook page, made a really good observation here. And if you look at the road, we've got three directions that are old, cracked, and broken down, and just crummy old asphalt. And we've got a fourth direction that is brand new, crisp, clear, black, brand new pavement. Nice. So, <laughs> so I think not only the crossroads is a metaphor, but I think the actual asphalt is part of the metaphor. <laughs> That's awesome. Good location. Yeah. Oh, yeah, great location. Uh, but anyway, so Rick and Shane get out of this car, and Rick mentions that they waited a week, and then they kind of have the talk that uh, we've been expecting these two characters to have, at least since last week, and when, when Lori told Rick that he's got to do something about Shane. They talk about everything. What really happened at the high school when Shane killed Otis, uh, Rick, you know, Rick keeping his family safe, about Shane being dangerous, and uh, really, they kind of go all through everything there. And one, one thing I found interesting about this conversation is uh, Rick tells Shane, how about you look at me when I'm talking to you? Yeah, because you, you pointed that out last week. 
yeah, I noticed that Shane doesn't look at anybody when he talks to people. And, uh, you know, I didn't really think it was kind of, you know, I thought it was more of an acting choice on his part or a character choice. I didn't really think it would be addressed in the show. I just sort of thought it was the way he is. I just, so I thought it was interesting that, he, that Rick says, how about you look at me? Yeah, I thought, I thought it was great. And Rick sort of finishes up with, uh, you know, that is my family. You don't love Lori even though you think you do. Yeah. And it was a pretty good scene. It was Rick was really taking charge here. I that, think. That, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say Shane didn't have too much of a response. He just kind of stood there and listened. Well, I just I think that uh, this is the exact opposite of what uh, Rick told Glenn that uh, you know Maggie is old enough to know when she's in love with somebody. Uh, you know, just believe that. You know, she's an adult. She she knows who she loves. He's, he's like doing the saying the opposite thing to Shane. Uh, I suppose, but uh, Maggie's not in love with Rick's wife. Well, no, but uh, you know, he's you know, you know, believe this person when she says she's in love, but uh, not this other guy. Yeah, no? I guess so. so. Rick's making the the uh, the choices as to who loves who here. Well, I think it's his. Um, I think he's entitled to do it to do that when it comes to his wife and his best friend. Well, yeah, and you know, <laughs> and it just it always annoys me when people assign emotions to other people. You don't love her. It's like, oh, yeah. Screw you. Don't tell me what I feel. Don't I tell me what I, who I love. <laughs> I hate it when people assign me emotions. <laughs> well, hopefully they don't do that too often. Yeah. Um, as Rick is going back to the car, Shane starts talking, and he tries to tell him about the early days of the zombie outbreak, which I found really interesting. Yeah. He mentions that it started, um, you know, it started, and it took two weeks later before he was in the hospital trying to get Rick out. And that's a scene we saw in a flashback earlier in the season. Yep. So two weeks after sort of the initial outbreak, uh, Rick was lying there. And I guess most of that time, the the hospital was still functioning as a hospital. That's why Rick was safe. Right. And after those two weeks, roughly, that's when the military came in and they were shooting everybody, Shane says. And, uh, and then Rick, uh, Shane tries to go get him, but he couldn't, as we all know. Yep. Finally, he tells Rick that he suffered a great deal knowing that he couldn't get Rick out of the hospital. And, uh, you know, that's what sort of no one's really asked him about yet. Yeah. So there you go. We, uh, we, we finish that conversation and we get uh, Rick. We cut to a shot of Rick looking inside the trunk, but we're getting the view from in the trunk. Very interesting <laughs> choice. On, uh, and it, this gets better later in the episode, but uh, I thought that was great. Yeah, it was pretty good. What it is, it's the Randall cam. Yep. <laughs> and, of course, Randall's in the trunk. He is bound, he is gagged, and he has got headphones with loud music playing. So For some they reason. Are, well, I guess they're trying to really deprive him of all his senses. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose. Um, and that's all we see of that. We don't really know what's going on there yet, but, uh, but that's what we get. It was a pretty cool shot. I liked it. It was, yeah. We go back to the farm, and Maggie and Lori are having a chat about Glenn's problems with self-confidence. Right. And pretty much Lori tells Maggie that Glenn needs to just man up. Right. That's about it. it suck was, it up, man. Yeah, suck it up. You know, we all have problems. Just get over it. We cut back to Rick and Shane on the road. Rick says they need to start using their knives more. They're in the car driving again, and he's talking about, it's just sort of all the, the, the mundane things that they have to think about now. They need supplies. They need winter gear. He figures the winter is going to affect the zombies a great deal, but they need to plan for all this stuff. Kind of just the, the stuff, you know, he's sort of settled in and he's kind of thinking long term now, right? Mm-hmm. 
And Shane is just sitting there. He's staring out the windows, and he sees a single zombie in a field, and he's just kind of staring at it, listening to Rick, or maybe not listening to Rick. It's it's not it's not really clear. He's sulking. Yeah, he's sulking, I guess. But it looks like he has something on his mind. You know, yeah. he's he's thinking, "What am I going to do here?" I I think, you know, we see this shot again later in the episode, and I have kind of a theory on it, which I'll I'll get to then. So back at the farm, Lori brings some food to Beth, who I guess after a week is mostly recovered from her catatonic state. Well, she's not, yeah, she seems like she's not catatonic anymore, but she does not look well. Mentally. No, she does, <laughs> she does not look well, that's true. But she's speaking again, and she's up and so on. Other, I mean, she's still in bed most of the time, but she's, she's able to sit up and talk to people and eat, I assume, yep. because Lori brings her food. Uh, they chat quickly about Lori being pregnant, and clearly Beth has a pretty pessimistic, pessimistic attitude to the whole thing. Yep. Uh, so we flip back to Rick and Shane, and they come to the Merritt County Department of Public Works. Hmm. So it's not a school. It's the Department of Public Works. Awesome. Uh, I guess they figure it looks like a good place to dump Randall because there are fences, there are buildings, there's vehicles around there. He can you know, scavenge for some supplies and then be on his merry way. Yep. Rick and Shane walk up to a fence, and Rick attracts – Rick does something weird here. He attracts a zombie by cutting his finger and sort of waving it through the fence. Yeah, like they can smell blood from that kind of distance. Yeah, from that kind of distance or, you know, even smell blood at all. I mean, we sort of know they're attracted to the smell of the living, but that's I, – I didn't – I don't know. Maybe I just missed it, but I didn't know that it was the blood. Yeah, I didn't the, think so either. Or that the blood enhanced the smell in any way. So well, I thought this was a strange scene. Well, maybe the zombie was just coming over anyway, and Rick wanted his head really close to the fence. So he put blood on the fence so that when he got close, he would get, uh, he would be, uh, you know, get his face right next to the fence for what happened next. Huh, that's a good point. I got to think that that zombie would have his face right against the fence anyways, trying to get through it. Well, I don't know. You remember, um, you remember, I think it was in the pilot when uh, Rick's partner, one of the other sheriffs or uh, sheriff deputies, Uh was shot through the fence. Uh-huh. He, his head wasn't right next to the fence. He was just grabbing onto the fence with his hands and uh, basically growling and snarling through the fence. His, his face wasn't right against the fence. Trying but, to push through it. Yeah, right. that's true. So I, I'm not sure. Maybe Rick knows something we don't. Like zombies have supernatural smelling abilities now. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Jenner secret, I guess. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you know, I suppose you could be right. He wanted to get the blood right on the fence so that that zombie would start licking it or right. something, right. sucking it off of there. Anyways, the zombie does come over and he stabs it through the head with his knife because they need to use knives more and right. save ammo and so on. He talked about that earlier. Yeah. Um, he Rick asks Shane to do the same, and uh, I guess Shane does it, but we don't see it on camera. Right. So then they cut their way in and. As they walk in, it looks like the place has already been scavenged, and it looks like there was some people living there at some point after the outbreak. Yeah. He sees some burned bodies. Uh, Shane enters the school bus and finds evidence of people living there, like blankets and a a baby seat and things like that. Um, But nobody's there anymore that we can see. So they line up the two uh, the two zombies they killed at the fence. Now they were they were security guards or police. I couldn't really tell. 
but they had uniforms on. Yeah, I mean, well, they had guns, and well, it's it's the states in Canada. If there were security, they wouldn't have guns. Uh, True. Only the police would have guns, but in the states, I think security in some cases are allowed to carry weapons. Uh, so I'm not sure. They, yeah. It it could have been. I guess it could have been either. I sort of was going with security guards just because you wouldn't. I mean, I guess you could have police hanging around the Department of Public Works, but in any case, I, I don't think they had quite the same uniform as Rick did, used to have. So, right. so let's go with security guards. Sure. They line them up on the ground beside each other like a happy little couple, and Shane notices that they don't have any bites on them. Yeah. Yet they were zombies, and Rick says, oh, uh, must be scratches. And he goes, yep, there's some scratches on the arm there, some on the face or something like that. Um, and... Uh, you know, Rick seems to think, well, scratches are enough to turn them into zombies after they die. Yeah. So, again, a little bit funny, and, you know, it's one of those things where it was it was an opportunity for Rick to go, oh, by the way, uh, this doctor told me that everyone who dies becomes zombies, but he didn't say that. No, again. he did not. So we don't really know, but it was one of those things. I was, I, you know, I was kind of expecting it maybe. You know, maybe Rick would reveal this secret to Shane, one other character, and then together they would maybe not reveal it to the rest of the gang. I don't know. I was, I, I thought it could have gone that way, but clearly it didn't. I guess not. So we see them pulling Randall out of the trunk, and we then cut back to the farm. Right. Back there, Lori comes to chat with Beth and after leaving, realizes that Beth has stolen the knife from the food and that she is suicidal. Yep. So that's not cool. They don't want to lose Beth. We quickly go back to Rick and Shane. They take Randall's headphones off and they go to leave him in the parking lot. He starts to beg for help while Rick throws a knife on the ground for him so that I guess he can cut himself free after they've left. Mm Mm-hmm. And through all his yelling, he reveals that he went to school with Maggie. I guess so. So that stops them in their tracks. <laughs> well, yeah, because now uh, because they went, he went to school with Maggie. There's a good chance he knows where Maggie lives. Exactly, he knows where that farm is. Um, it also means that he's a local, right? Which is interesting because he was hanging around with Dave and Tony, who are not locals. They were from Philadelphia, right? So he. Either Dave and Tony had been in that area for a while, or he was new to their group. Well, and He did later on say that he was alone, and he hooked up with these guys. So it could have been that he's been alone for weeks and weeks and weeks now, or however long the zombie outbreak has, uh, has been going on. Yeah. And, you know, some people went through, and he went, yeah, I think I need some companions here. <laughs> I need some help in this. Yeah. So, um, but I did think it was interesting that he was a local because I, that never occurred to me. I always figured that Tony and Dave, you know, came down with their crew of guys all the way from Philadelphia, but I guess not. Uh, yeah. We have, uh, we have Randall with them. So, uh, Shane goes to shoot him, but Rick stops him and says, I got to think about this and then fight. <laughs> right. <laughs> we have, we Big have old drag old- out fight. Good old brawl here. Um, they punch each other a bunch. Rick gets headbutt. Uh, Shane's kind of a dick. He drops a motorcycle on Rick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which sounds like, um, you know, something you'd, some, some superhero move. You know, it's like. <laughs> he threw a motorcycle at me. What the hell? I know. Picks up a whole motorcycle <laughs> and chucks it at him. Um, 
But uh, that doesn't uh, that doesn't stop Rick. They they continue fighting. Meanwhile, Randall is going for the knife because he wants to you know free himself, of course. And after some more brawling, Shane throws a picks up a huge wrench, like a huge plumbing wrench, right, and chucks it at Rick, but misses him and breaks a window in the building behind him, and zombies start to stream out. When Shane threw that wrench, when he picked up that wrench, it was obviously holding something up, it looked like. Like, it was wedged in someplace. It did kind of look like it, but I think maybe it was just leaning against the fire truck that was there. I don't know. I figured that as soon as he pulled that out, whatever it was, was going to fall on him. (laughs) (laughs) It would have been weird, but it would have been funny. That would have it would have been funny. It would have been a little too comical. I thought, yeah. you know, pick it up and it falls on him instead. Oh uh, my god, a fire truck fell on him. Yeah, exactly. Hope he's okay. And Shane dies due to falling fire truck, <laughs> which is ironic because he threw a motorcycle at Rick. That's right. <laughs> now he breaks the he breaks the glass and zombies. Before the zombies come out, there is a really fantastic shot of Shane's reflection in the broken glass. Yeah, and uh, he does not look so good in that reflection. He looks like a zombie. He does look like a zombie. He starts to back away a little bit. The camera's zooming in, and then we see a zombie arm come up and uh, come out. Now, Rick kills the first one and then realizes there's a whole bunch more on their way out, and he hides under the first one that he killed yep. so, the, so the rest of them will come out and pass him by. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a smart move, I think. I think it was. Last week, there was nothing but bad decisions. That was a good one. Yeah. Uh, and Shane runs, because what else is he going to do? Right. Back at the farm, Maggie and Beth are arguing about her killing herself. Maggie thinks Beth, uh, if she killed herself, Herschel would uh, Herschel would die. You know, in air quotes, <laughs> is what Maggie said. Right. Uh, Rick and Shane back with them. They are running for cover. Randall is trying to cut himself free with a zombie cutting, coming at him. He manages to trip it and then get himself loose, and he breaks the zombie's arm with his foot. It was really quite awesome, I thought. That was awesome. Uh, and then he stabs her repeatedly in the back of the head because he has enough time to get his, his arms free. It was a pretty gruesome kill. He, yeah, he stabbed her uh, quite a few times, more than absolutely necessary, I thought. Probably. I mean, just once or twice, you know, once that thing stops moving, you can give up. But, you know, maybe, maybe he just wanted to really double kill her. Yeah, well, you gotta be, you gotta be sure. We gotta be sure, exactly. So, farm. Uh, Maggie and Beth are now screaming at each other in the background, and Lori and Andrea are having a talk in the kitchen. Andrea thinks that Lori should have let Beth make her own decision about killing herself, and equates it to when Dale took her gun away. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, it's kind of, kind of a weird thing i mean i can understand sort of both sides of this conversations you know you have to let people make their own decisions but you also don't want to just let someone kill themselves for no reason well that's true you know um and it kind of gets personal after that andrea sees Lori as uh privileged because she has a husband a son and a baby on the way and they kind of end up arguing about the fact that Lori thinks Andrea isn't pulling her weight with all the cooking and cleaning that needs to be done around the farm. Right. This conversation <laughs> kind of got sexist, in my opinion. Like, you know, the women should uh, let the men handle everything while they stay home and uh, cook and clean and uh, make sure that the, the, you know, the meals are prepared and to, you know, the hold down the fort kind of thing while the men folk do the men folk stuff. Well, do you feel that way in the context of the show or in the context of real life? Because you're absolutely right in in real life, but 
in inside the TV show, I mean, everyone has their job, and that's kind of what Laurie was saying, I think. Yeah, but no, she's not saying everybody has their job because Andrea is, you know, she feels like she is doing her job. She's standing a post and guarding the group and uh, helping to protect them, right? Yeah. She's she's really got this niche cut out that she's how she feels she's helping but Lori's saying no that's not what you're supposed to be doing that's a man folk job you're supposed to be doing a woman folk job you need to clean and to cook and to you know to do the laundry yeah i i i can see your point um i don't know i can also i I can see both sides of it though uh i think you know i i understand you need to have you need to have people doing both jobs, keeping people safe and, you know, you know, keeping all the other stuff done like food and shelter and so on. I absolutely agree. I just don't need to think I just don't think you need to divide that down gender lines. No, you're probably absolutely right. Uh the line about you sitting on top of an RV working on your tan with a shotgun, I thought was, <laughs> that was a good line. I thought that was funny. That was a good line. With a shotgun in your lap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, so we we get back to the uh, to the Rick and Shane zombie attack, and Rick gets between a couple of cars, and he starts shooting zombies that are coming at him. But as he shoots them, they fall right on top of him. I thought he was looking at first. I thought he was looking for some place to crawl under, and I'm going, "There's no tank with an escape hatch here, buddy." You're just going to crawl under a car and you're going to be screwed. But then I realized after he grabbed it, I realized he was going for a gun. Yeah, he was going for his gun. That's right. But but I thought he was looking to hide under the cars too because they've done that before as well. Right. On the highway, they were hiding under cars. Uh, but anyways, he's on his back. He shoots a zombie, but the zombie's momentum carries it forward and it lands on Rick. And then another one and then another one. He ends up with three on top <laughs> of him. And he's having trouble getting his gun aimed, but he eventually gets it through the mouth of one of them and fires off a bunch of rounds through the first zombie into the zombies on top of them. You got to do what you got to do. It was pretty cool. I thought I I enjoyed that. At the farm, Beth thinks that uh, her dad, Herschel, was clueless this entire time because he was wrong about the zombies in the barn. And Maggie is trying to appeal to Beth on the basis of their, that her family needs her, which is a common theme that we've seen before. That's what, uh, that's what Rick said to Herschel when he was in the bar drinking. Right. Uh, and then Beth starts talking about how she wants Maggie to join her in suicide, and they can do it together right there in the bed. And because Beth thinks that you know, their death is pretty much inevitable at this time, and why don't they do it now together when they can instead of when they're forced to because the whole place is overrun with zombies or whatever. Right. And uh, Maggie thinks this is absolutely crazy, of course. Right, yeah. Uh, back to Shane. He runs into a bus, and he sees some zombie fingers on the floor. I don't know if, if you caught that. but I did, he, I did see that. that was, uh, I thought maybe he had shut the door on some zombies and cut their fingers off. Maybe he did. I didn't see that happen, but that occurred to me too. But they're they're lying there on the floor, and he pulls the whole cutting the hand with the blood thing again, and he smears it on the door, and then I guess so the zombies will get close enough, and he can stab them right in the head. Maybe it was a collection of fingers, like uh, like Daryl's collection of ears. <laughs> Somebody was collecting fingers? Yeah. Zombie fingers. Here we go. Maybe it was Merle. He was trying to recreate his missing hand. <laughs> That's right. One zombie finger at a time. That's right. He's just going to attach them all onto his stump and be like, I'm as good as new. Yeah. Good plan. <laughs> and hey, it's, it's their brothers. If one can collect ears, one the other can collect fingers. That's Why not? true. 
Um, anyways, so Shane, he cuts his hand and he starts stabbing zombies in the head. A lot of people wrote in about this or posted on our Facebook and said, so, you know, not like a half an hour ago, he was stabbing a zombie through the fence in the brain with that knife. Yep. And then he has no trouble just slicing into his own flesh with it. Seems a little crazy. Uh, yeah, I don't think I'd do that. No, I don't think so either. I mean, I guess he was in a between a rock and a zombie place, but yeah. he he yeah. I mean, if you're worried about, especially after that conversation about just needing scratches to be zombified, right. uh, you know, why would he take his dirty zombie knife and cut his own hand? Well, now the whole point of blood, well, not the point of blood, but the uh, one of the advantages of having blood and skin the way it is, is that the the blood in your body is under pressure. Right, so if you cut yourself, blood oozes out, and yes. the idea behind that is to keep, you know, crap out of the inside of your body. It's to push all the stuff out. So by cutting himself, like the blade, it does go. Like in order to cut yourself, you have to go inside the skin, but then the blood all oozes out. So maybe you can get lucky because the blood's uh, now outside of your body, and the whole idea is to get the crap out of there. Right, so whatever goop was on the knife isn't actually going to enter his bloodstream. It's just going to be pushed back out again. Right. He could get lucky, or maybe he had, uh, you know, 10, 15 minutes to, uh, with a couple of bottles of Purell and completely disinfected his knife. Well, you know, we didn't actually see him put it through the zombie's brain, so I think it's safe to assume that, you know, maybe we didn't see him clean the knife after. Maybe he has six knives. He could carry a lot of knives, that's he, true. He has a self-cutting knife and a zombie-cutting knife. <laughs> and because he was in a pinch here, he cut himself first and then went to the zombie, but plans on cleaning the knife before he uh, cuts himself again. I suppose anything is possible. Right. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to find out. Yep. At the farm, Andrea comes to give Maggie a break from watching Beth, and Andrea does something a bit, um, un, well unpopular she leaves, <laughs> she she leaves beth there by herself giving her the freedom to make her own decision about committing suicide right uh before we see the outcome of that we go back to rick and the guys and uh rick grabs randall a gun and he sees shane stuck in the bus and he runs with randall past the bus out the fence uh, i guess towards the car and rick see uh, shane sees them leaving right i thought uh, that uh i thought that rick decided to just leave him there um, you know what? I never did, to be honest with you. I don't think, even after everything that's going on, I assumed Rick had a plan in mind. Like, really? he, he knew he couldn't just run into that mob of zombies and try to do something. So he's like, oh, he's going to go get the car and he's going to come and ram it into the bus and try to squish them all or something like that. I'm not so sure. I'm, I'm, I sort of felt, and I have to watch it again just to make sure, but I got the impression that uh, he was cutting his losses and sacrificing Shane uh, in order to get away to protect his family. Because he said that he, you know, when they were talking about Otis, uh, Shane said, you would never do that. And Rick said, you know, I might. There's a, there's a chance I might do something like that in order to stay alive to protect my family. Yeah, he does say he would do anything to stay alive, uh, so, to keep his family alive. So, I, I'm, you know, at that point, I'm thinking, you know, he decides to leave Shane, but then has a change of heart. By the time he gets outside of the fence, he's like, "Ah, crap! I have to go back for him." Once he, you know, once he saw the two dead bodies of the uh, the security guards or police officers and picked up their uh, their you know utility belts and firearms, he, he at that point I thought, 
you know, maybe he's having a change of heart and has to go back and save Shane. Well, just before we see that scene, we go back to the farm and Maggie comes back to find Beth gone. She's locked herself in the bathroom and slit her wrists. Lori manages to, to pry the door open and, and Beth is bleeding, but okay. And she says she's sorry. So she's kind of decided that she wants to live, I suppose. Right. Uh, and then we get that scene where, yeah, Rick and, her, Rick and Randall are running out. They see the two security guards lying there. It's a pretty powerful scene, I thought, that one, because yeah. it's clear that Rick is seeing that and equating himself and Shane. You know, we're, we're partners. We're brothers. We, we, uh, we need to, even though he's being kind of a jerk lately, we need, to, we need to help each other. And that's when he decides to go back. Yeah. I'm still not convinced he didn't have a plan all along. But that's if he was wavering at all, that is what you know. That's what sent him over the edge to to go back and get him. Right, for sure. Um, we see Shane trying the blood trick again, and he does stab another zombie. And then all of a sudden, Rick and Randall drive up and rescue Shane out the back door of the bus. Well, I guess he cut himself again. Did I wonder wonder if he had time to purell his knife while he was standing there? Yeah, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> He's got a never-ending supply. Um, the thing about this scene that I that kind of bugged me is Shane just runs to the back of the bus, opens the door, and jumps into the car. Why didn't he just run to the back of the bus, open the door, and keep running uh, when when the zombies you know before Rick got there? That's the a good car. question. And that door was open too because he didn't have to push or turn or do anything. He just you know he you know he pretty much just yelled at the door and it opened. Yeah, he didn't he didn't even have to pull a lever. It wasn't like jammed or anything like that. You know he he. He just sort of went right through it. Yeah, he should have done that before. Yeah, I would think so, because it would have taken the zombies a few seconds to open that bus door and get up the stairs. He could have been long gone, you would think. Especially since he killed a couple, and now they're blocking the way. Exactly. To me, it felt too easy to get out that back door. You know, he needed to be there, fiddling with the handle, maybe trying to break the glass and trying to push it, and then kind of dive out at the last second. It would have made it for a little bit more intense scene. Yeah, I agree with you. In my opinion. Um, back at the farm, Andrea runs up to the farm and Maggie confronts her about leaving Beth. Andrea thinks she did the right thing because Beth now knows that she wants to live. But Maggie tells her never to set foot in this house again because how could you leave her alone? Absolutely. I think that Maggie will forgive Andrea after a while because Ma even Maggie realizes that, okay, I mean, it was risky, but it worked. Beth is going to be okay now. But I think it could take a while. I think so. I think uh, some people can hold grudges. Well, they can certainly hold grudges. That's true. But uh, if if Andrea and Maggie both survive long term on this show, I think they'll probably come together again at some point. You think so? As friends. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. So back on the road, Rick and Shane have Randall bound and gagged with headphones on again. <laughs> <laughs> and we had the, the Randall cam again. Yeah, we had the Randall cam that again. That was awesome. They pick them up off the road and dump them into the trunk. Yeah, I thought <laughs> it, gonna... it was brilliant, just the way it was shot with the music in the background, and I thought it was a great, great shot. Yeah, I thought it looked really good, too. Um, and, and the way Rick walked up and kind of crunched, hunched down in front of him and then, yeah, picks him up, it's, it, it worked really well for me. Yeah. Uh, so Rick tells Shane that he's going to think about Randall for the night, but they'll probably have to kill him. Right. And he says it can't be... You know, it can't be that easy to kill somebody, anybody. We can't just do it here. We need to We need to think about it. Isn't that what uh, what happened in The Princess Bride with, uh, what's his name, and the Dread Pirate Roberts? 
you know, he, he went off into, uh, you know, he was picked up by the Dread Pirate Roberts and said, uh, well, you know, I'm going to kill you tomorrow. And then he, ne- he always said that and never did until he became the Dread Pirate Roberts. I don't remember. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie. <laughs> well, you should watch it. Watch it again. It's a really good movie with a really, really synthetic, crappy soundtrack. But uh, a very good movie. I would watch that again. If I were okay, you. I'll I'll put it on my re-list or my re-watch list. You should. Um, so after that, Rick then reinforces that the same things they talked about at the beginning. He says, that is my wife, that is my son, and that is my child. Yep. And he, te- he asks Shane to trust him and follow his lead. So he's really trying to exert his sort of alpha position over Shane and the rest of the group here. I think it works. I think, uh, you know, with that first conversation and with this conversation, uh, I think that, uh, that Shane is, uh, you know, accepting Rick's leadership. I, I think you're right. But I also think that he's starting to feel like an outsider, like a loner. And the reason I feel that is because what we get next is uh, Civilian by the band Y Oak. And that was this song was used in one of the promos for the show back for season two. Yeah. So I was surprised to see it here again. But um, uh, the show ends with the same shot of Shane staring out the window of the car at a lone zombie in a field. And I, to me, I think this was kind of symbolizing that Shane is feeling more and more like a loner with nobody, you know, on his side and he's got nobody that loves him and so on. And he's just kind of staring out at that lone zombie thinking that's me. Yeah, maybe. That was my take on it anyways. I think there's going to be a lot of discussion about sort of what, because we saw the scene a few times. I think there's going to be a lot of discussion of what that sort of means in the context of the show. Do you have any other theories? Not at this time. <laughs> Any other themes that, that you think they were going for? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, fair enough. I, I, I'm going to go with you. You know, Shane is kind of identifying almost with that zombie thinking, there I am roaming the fields alone with nobody. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's that. Um, Interesting episode overall, I would say. We don't get any Glenn, Dale, or Carol, or Daryl. Or no. Herschel, or... No. Yeah, we uh, had a lot of missing characters in this episode. Um, and we really just had this two storylines. What was going on with Rick and Shane, and what was going on between Maggie and Andrea and Lori and Beth. And this episode was very much uh, divided down gender lines as well, right? It was true. So you know, all the disco- everything was either you know the men folk going out and fighting zombies, or the women folk you know arguing amongst themselves about uh, chores and you know possible suicide. <laughs> uh, no, it was. You're right. It was. It was men doing men stuff and women doing women stuff, and um, it it obviously upset you because you're such a sensitive guy. <laughs> I've actually been called a feminist to my face. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. No, there isn't. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. Yeah. Uh, Interesting episode. We'll have to see what they come back with next week because, uh, you know, we're probably going to pick up right where this one leaves off again, I would think, because they've got to deal with the Randall problem. Yep. I don't know. Because I'm down here in Florida and uh, I didn't get to watch the show when it broadcast on AMC, I haven't seen any of the next week uh, the clips from next week. Nor so have I, I actually. We're I have. completely in the dark. 
completely in the dark. And uh, uh, this week on the podcast, we're not going to have a next week on the Walking Dead segment mm-hmm. because there's nothing to talk about, at least <laughs> as far as as far as we know. Uh, next week, uh, there will be an episode. Yes, there will. And uh, it will most likely star at least some of the people that have been in previous episodes. Uh, I would imagine some of them. Yeah, there you go. All right, but we are going to do our next segment of this podcast right now. And that is going to be, holy crap, did you see that? Holy crap, did you see that? All right, and the first one we have is a phone call, and it comes from, as I like to call him, friend of the podcast, Dave. He, uh, he's he been calling in. He skipped a couple of weeks, but hopefully he's back on his regular schedule of calling in with his holy crap, did you see that moments. So, Jason, play the call, please. All right, here we go. Gentlemen, how are you? It's your friend Dave, and I'm calling for my holy crap, did you see that moment, and I want to tell you that there are two specific moments um, that I noticed. One was the the first one was when Rick was looking down at the uh, two officers that they had taken down and had arranged for whatever reason. Rick looks down and, and we all know that he, he sort of sees himself and Shane in that position and uh, that's when he makes the decision to go back and save his friend uh, despite their differences. And the other one was uh, as they're driving back from the city and Shane looks into the field and he sees that one zombie sort of stumbling around in the fields. And I think that that is the exact moment that Shane decides to kill Rick. So what I thought was really, really interesting was the two opposing views of the exact same relationship. And uh, I think it'll be fun to see how it plays out. Uh, keeping Shane around is genius. And uh, I actually kind of hope he sticks around a lot longer. Uh, he's, making for an excellent, excellent antagonist. Anyhow, that's it. I'll see you guys. See you on the internet. All right. So so Dave Dave agrees with me in that, uh, you know, when he sees those two officers, uh, two two police officers, that's when he decides to go back and save his friend Shane. Yeah, you're right. So, uh, and I, I, you know, I, Thank you, Dave, for pointing out that uh, that he saw himself and Shane as partners uh, by looking down at those two officers. I hadn't uh, put that together. And I think that's a very, uh, very interesting point. Well, I, I, I do think he, he, he saw himself and Shane in those two guys, and that's why he went back. I just think he was probably... I think it's probably just what solidified his feelings to go back. I, I, I still think that he, he wanted to you know, find a way to go and rescue him. He might not have just, he might've been sort of still weighing his options at that point until he saw those two guys lying there on the ground together. Yeah. So I'm with Dave. Well, uh, so is Craig from Georgia. He wrote in and said, when Rick was leaving the facility with Shane on the bus before leaving the fenced yard area, he looked down at the two zombie officers laying together on the ground. I believe he thought of himself as Shane for a moment. I think that was Shane's saving grace. Uh, I also believe Rick is alpha again for the moment. So Craig from Georgia seems to have the same, has the same moment for uh, Holy Crap, did you see that? Yep. Um, Mark from 18 miles out from us, as he wrote it, apparently he's, <laughs> apparently he's in Scarborough, Ontario. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. Which is a suburb of Toronto. He writes, uh, two Holy Crap moments are Randall looking up 
over the uh, sorry Randall backing up over the zombie's head in the car, yeah. which was very nasty. Yep. Yeah. And Andrea telling Lori she has a husband, son, baby on the way, and boyfriend. Yeah, I thought it was a great line. It was really, really awesome, and I didn't catch it the first time I watched it through, but really? when I watched it again, there it was, yeah. <laughs> it was like, in your face. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Mark finishes with, just when you were feeling sympathetic for Andrea, since everyone but the Grimeses really have lost everything, she hits her with that. Great writing. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was genius. We got another email from a listener who uh, didn't want his name or location set on the air, so I will respect that. But he says, my moment is not really a see that but hear that. Herschel referring to the zombies as walkers for the first time and not making a big deal about it. That was in Trigger Finger, the last episode, of course, when they were stuck in the bar. Right. So that's a good one, too. Um, Beth from Arkansas, regular contributor to the show she wrote i had so many holy crap did you see that moments but the first one that sticks out is when rick rolled that dead walker on top of him and just let the herd go after shane i was pretty pleased that rick gave shane a taste of his own medicine especially when he was trapped in the bus and thought rick was leaving him behind that look of pure panic i actually yelled at the tv ha doesn't (laughs) uh doesn't feel that great does it shane (laughs) oh i love it when you uh, yell at the tv Oh, yeah. There's nothing better because you know that it's working on you. Yep. (laughs) Um, Finally, Ashley from Pittsburgh wrote in and said, My holy crap, did you see that this week was the death stare that Lori gave Andrea after their little discussion. Lori looked like she was ready to rip Andrea a new one, but since she is a classy lady, she held back. (laughs) (laughs) It was really intense, and I can't wait to see if and how her behavior changes. Uh, so there you go. Awesome. <laughs> that, that's another good one for sure. Yeah. My holy crap, did you see that moment from this week was, uh, the scene where Rick is down between the cars and he has zombies piling on top of him. Uh, he's trying to get his gun up to shoot them, but of course it's an awkward position and he can't really get the gun in position. And one of the zombies knocks or seems to knock the gun away as Rick is trying to get it pointed. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the right way and this, he does it twice you see it happen two times the zombie's hand comes knocks the gun to the side it kind of hits the car and Rick has to struggle to get it back into position and I don't know I, I, I wonder if this was just you know the zombie extra kind of flailing his arms and just hitting everything or if there was something more there where the zombie's trying to knock the gun away so that he's not going to get shot through the face I think maybe the uh, the zombie was Steven Seagal in the in, in a previous life, or at least whatever martial art. I forget the name of the martial art that uh, Steven Seagal has uh, is very proficient in, but it's all defensive, and like if you brandish a weapon, you can he just brushes it aside, kind of thing. Uh-huh. So it might be a residual memory of whatever this martial art is that you know like <laughs> somebody points a gun at me, you just kind of brush it aside. Because we know that zombies do have residual memories. That's right. Like the RV inspector. So we have, if we have an RV inspector, we can have Steven Seagal or whatever that martial art is. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. As long as it's not Steven Seagal zombie. <laughs> right. We don't want that. No, we don't want that. Anyways, that is my holy crap. Did you see that moment? Zombie, what to me looked like purposefully trying to knock a gun away, but clearly it was Steven Seagal. So yeah, absolutely. That's fine. Do you have a moment for us, Jason? Uh, I do. And it's uh, when, when Rick and Shane first see the zombie through the fence and Rick puts his blood on the, on the fence to get his head right next to it and just stabs him in the head with the knife through the fence. That reminded me of when they were doing that, uh, 
at, in the prison in the comic book. Now we're going to spoil a little bit here about the uh, about the comic book. But didn't they have trouble with uh, stabbing zombies through fences? They had trouble in the comic book because the zo- the knife would get stuck in the zombie's head, and as the zombie fell down or back, you wouldn't. It would take the knife with it, and you wouldn't get your knife back. Right. So zombies in uh, in in the TV show obviously have much softer heads than the zombies in uh, in in the comic book. It did. I did kind of get that feeling, and that occurred to me while I was watching it too. Uh, because Rick does it, and then when Randall is stabbing that zombie in the head, he stabs it four or five times. And, you know, knife in and out, no problem. Okay, so with the stabbing in the head, what Randall was doing, uh, I have no problem with that because, okay, so the head is on the ground at that point. So when you're stabbing it in, that head has nowhere to go back. But if you have like a skull that with a bone in it, like you and I both do, uh, you take a knife and push it against the, against the skull, you, it's not just going to go through your skull and into your brain. It's going to push your head back. You're right. Right? So I, I, I just... I, I cry bullshit on the uh, stabbing the zombie through the skull through the fence. The only way it would work is if there's already a wound there, and no, so there's there's a crack in the skull or some sort of yeah. break in the skull already. I guess there just there needs to be something behind the head in order to yeah. get the, the the knife through that skull. And uh, last week it it didn't uh, it got kind of cut out in our podcast. Uh, because of technical issues, but uh, we had a, a brief conversation about uh, trying to get through a skull, and it's not an easy proposition to get through a skull, even with a knife. Yeah, and even with a brick wall behind it, I bet. Yeah. You know. So, yeah, just, you know, the whole, I don't think it would go in, and I don't think it would come out. Okay, well, that's, uh, you're, you're probably right about that, and, you know, it didn't bother me while I was watching it, but it did remind me of the comic, that scene in the comic, you're absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's it for how uh, for holy crap did you see that? By uh, in the future, please send in your moments to us. We love to read them on the air, and it's a good way, I think, of uh, you know bringing a little bit more to the show because everyone notices things and has different theories, and uh, it's fun to share them. Now it's time for listener feedback. Do you have a clip, Jason? Yeah, yeah, I got listener one. feedback. All right, good. <laughs> We're flying by the seat of our pants here. Oh, yeah. We're just going to go with what we get. For sure. All right. Uh, Shenandoah from West Virginia wrote an email and says, um, she's talking here about the Daryl and Carol scene from last week when uh, Daryl became a real jerk. And she says, I honestly don't think he's being a dick. He's angry, afraid, confused, and it's just coming out. The things that he's saying don't really make a lot of sense. She hasn't accused him of anything. I think he's hurt, and the rage that's coming out of him is like cleansing a wound. It's painful and ugly, but is all for the best in order to heal. Carol knows this, and that's why she's letting him say it, not arguing with him. Uh, Man, it's got to be hurting her too, though. Tough therapy, but uh, psychiatrists are in short supply now. Oh, yeah. So we were kind of going on last week about how he was really being an ass, but he's really just kind of trying to what she's saying is that he's just sort of trying to cleanse his cleanse himself of all this and and carol kind of knows this and that's why she's just taking it right and it's all in the long run i think going to be good for maybe both of them because they'll be friends again i hope so (laughs) i hope so too um last week we also talked a lot about glenn's shotgun and his proficiency with it right well we had a bunch of people write in with information on that. I've got a couple emails here. The first one from Chris in Pennsylvania. 
And he says, if Glenn is using slugs, you can hit a target from 50 to 100 yards with no problem. Oh, okay. A great shooter can hit as far as 300 yards. Ooh. It's just pretty far. He says, slugs are rifled, so they twist and fly straight and do not tumble. Most shotgun barrels are smooth and not rifled, but you can get rifled barrels for them. You can also make normal birdshot or buckshot rounds and cut them, and then those rounds act as a slug. That way, you do not have to carry different rounds with you. So it is possible to blow zombies up at a distance with a shotgun. Oh, okay, good. Good to know. Yep, good to know. Mike from South Carolina writes in on a similar topic. He says, in regards to the choke, most guns aren't quickly adjustable for choke. The only ones that can be adjusted are the f- on the fly are called polychokes and are an eas- easily recognized blob of metal on the end of the barrel. Uh, and these haven't been very commonplace for decades, he says. On more modern guns, they typically use screw-in chokes. These can be swapped in and out, but require that you unscrew and remove one choke from the end of the barrel and then screw in a new one. It doesn't take long, but not really battlefield adjustable. Hmm. So uh, it, bottom line is it sounds like we'd sort of have to have the right combination of um, uh, ammunition setup and expertise with the weapon for Glenn to hit those zombies as far away as he did. But it is possible. So, you know, with a little bit of planning and practice, this shouldn't be too much of a problem. But, no. uh, yeah, under, you know, combat conditions, uh, you know, adjust, making these kinds of adjustments are not really feasible. Not really feasible, exactly. So, dumb luck. We could go with that, that, that uh, Glenn was able to hit these zombies. <laughs> I'm going to go with movie magic. Oh, movie magic. That's a good one, too. Yeah, that's a good one, too. It can account for lots of things. It sure can. <laughs> All right. Um, Gary from Florida on the uh, right, wrote in on the time it took for them to get back to the farm. And Gary says, I have no idea about the lich that may or may not be controlling the <laughs> movement of the sun, but I do have a theory regarding why Rick and company didn't get back to the farm until morning. He says, they tore the guy's leg off the fence and got out of town as quickly as possible. But at some point, after they were safely away from the town and immediate danger, they would have had to stop and bandage it properly. Otherwise, he would have been bleeding out all over the place. Right. So, stop to uh, take their time. It kind of makes sense. Uh, Jason from the internet wrote in on the same topic and he said, As to the fact Rick and companies uh, return to the barn when it is uh, again daytime, I'm just assuming they took the long way around to throw off Randall. If they had taken the short distance... I find it hard to believe Rick wouldn't have seen the car Lori wrecked on the way back. So there, with my assumptions, I've either eased millions of minds or made asses out of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, also, another good point, though. Rick would have seen the car Lori wrecked, so they probably went back a different way, maybe the long route, so that Randall would think, you know, it takes six hours to get back to the farm instead of 20 minutes. Oh, that's a good point. You know, and, you know, that coupled with stopping somewhere along the way to properly fix him up and bandage him or, or, or do surgery or whatever, um, I think that would explain it. The only thing I would say to these sort of points is that why can't they show that to us in the show? At least one quick scene or even a line of dialogue saying, you know, let's, let's head back the long way and throw him off or something like that. You know, it, it would just... It would just add an element of realism to it, wouldn't it? Well, it would, but this kind of thing also might be on the cutting room floor, right? They filmed something, uh, they just, they had to edit down for time, and something had to go, so they took something like this and just said, forget it. 
it's taking too much time, the pacing is wrong, just get rid of it. Yeah, I, I can see that if it was a whole scene. But if it was a line of dialogue, you think it could be there. I, I don't know. I mean, or maybe you know, maybe it wasn't the line of dialogue. Maybe it was the whole scene, you know, where they stop and they bandage him up and they talk about going uh, the long way around to throw him off and they put the hood on him or and they and they, and they take off and it's like you can't show any of it without showing all of it, so you cut it all out. Yeah, I suppose that's uh, I suppose that's a good point. I mean, it could just be. It could be an extra on the DVD when it comes out. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, it also could be that us and, uh, you know, everyone who listens are enormous fans of the show and they overanalyze it and think that, you know, that's this is a problem, whereas your average viewer is kind of like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. You know, that's like, probably a part of it as well. Sun goes down, sun comes up, whatever. <laughs> it happens and it's being controlled by a lich apparently. Yeah, it happens every day. <laughs> Uh, well, there you go. So finally, we got one more email from Shannon in Missouri uh, regarding Daryl. And she says, hey, guys, love the podcast and listen to it all the time. I am super surprised uh, at that at something you failed to mention on the last episode, Bad Decisions. That's our podcast title. Right. In the episode, Trigger Finger, Trigger Finger Daryl is wearing sleeves. Not just sleeves, but long sleeves and purple pants. Just thought I'd... <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that one out there. Found that to be the scariest part of the episode. <laughs> I, I had purple pants once. <laughs> yeah, but you were also a clown. No, actually, for uh, for the longest time, I thought they were brown. <laughs> you have a problem with purple and brown, do well, you? No, well, apparently, because I had brown pants, and I liked my brown pants, and I wore them all the time until uh, my now wife, Jenny, said, uh, those pants are purple. And I looked down and like, yep, you're right. Those are purple <laughs> pants. <laughs> It must have been bad lighting in your old apartment or something. I don't know what happened. I'm thinking, you know, in my heart of hearts, uh, I've reasoned it out to be that uh, they were brown, and at, through subsequent washing and washing and washing and washing, they slowly faded to purple, <laughs> and I just didn't notice. My brain just went brown. They're brown. Until <laughs> <laughs> I woke up one morning and Jenny pointed it out. It's like, no, I got purple pants, and I didn't wear them any, any, ever again. Do you still have them? Oh, no, they're gone. Oh, I was going to say you could break those out and get a sleeve, get a shirt with no sleeves and you'd be, or I guess in this case, with long sleeves and you could be Daryl for Halloween. That'd be awesome. No, <laughs> I gave them, uh, I set them on the uh, uh, the used clothing highway. Well, there you go. So happy National Secondhand Wardrobe Week, That's everybody. That's right, yeah. <laughs> it's perfect, <clears throat> really. And on that note, that is going to wrap up this podcast. I sure hope it went well, Jay. I think, I hope so too. Because uh, this is this is a whole new experience for us being in different countries and you recording and operating the board and you know we're just going to have to live with what we got. I yeah, think. Yeah, there are some some issues though. There was some uh, static and some uh, sounded like needles on or needle on a, a vinyl record. Uh, some spots in there and some uh, there were some rough patches. All right. Well, next week, everyone, we we've had two weird weeks in a row here, but next week we are going to be back to normal because I will be at home. We'll be recording normally, and hopefully nothing goes wrong. Fingers crossed. And uh, from there on, everything will should be fine. I say from now on, uh, from uh, next week forward, we record the podcast twice every week. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> Using it, we go to my house, record it, and then we leave and go to your house and record it. Yeah. So they're completely uh, mutually exclusive recordings. Yeah, and then we edit a best of. A best of, yeah, because I have time to do that. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Mr. Miles, since you are sitting in front of the studio computer, uh-huh. I would like you to do the contact us sign off this week um, and let everyone know how they can reach us if they so choose. Sure. Uh, well, by phone, you can uh, call one 483 zombie Z-O-M-B or 9662. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter at the to- or at Talking Dead. Uh, on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead and at our good old email address at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Very good. If you have comments or questions or anything you'd like to send us, and of course that includes holy crap, did you see that moments, use one of those methods to get it into us and uh, we will read them all and get some on the air and respond to any that we uh, that we need to. I try to respond to everything, but it takes time to get through, uh, you know, email, especially when I'm on vacation in sunny Florida. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. So um, thanks for listening, everyone, uh, for The Talking Dead. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>